Running away from people now, 20, 10, and gone. Moniel, 67-yard touchdown run. I've got reporter's <laughs> notebooks older than Seth. Fonte was always soft. Can't win on the road, they say. <laughs> DeVito, pop pass, end zone, touchdown, and the ball game. DeVito, in relief, wins it for the Orange. This is Orange Nation, brought to you by Charles Heating and Air Conditioning, with Stephen Fonte and Seth Goldberg. I've never enjoyed hearing that open more in my life than today. We're back. Steven we Fonte, Seth Goldberg. It's the return of Orange Nation after six months off. We are back on the air. Game week for the SU football team. I'll be honest with you, Seth. I don't know about you, but all along I've been skeptical as to whether or not this college football season was actually going to take place up until like two weeks ago. I think about two weeks ago it, it set in that this is going to happen. Yeah, that that's kind of what I was at too. I was... Um... I was surprised, I was unsure, I was skeptical, uh, and then there was football over the weekend. It was nice. You have to tell me, by the way, if I just totally sound terrible because I am still wearing a mask inside. You don't sound terrible. Okay. You sound slightly sound muffled. muffled. Maybe it's just because I, I can see that you have the mask on. Got it. But but you you do your thing. Um, we're, we're, we're socially distant. We're six feet apart here uh, in the studio. Things have obviously changed quite a bit. Since the last time you and I were on the air, our last show was the day after the ACC tournament was canceled. Right, they, they canceled it on a Thursday, and, and then, then we and then we did one show on right. that Friday, and we've been off the air ever since. So it's been essentially six months, just shy of six months uh, since Wild. our since our last show. I'm not I'm not sure I remember completely how to do this, but we'll. Uh, so bear with us today. I almost made that joke on Twitter. I really did. I was I, I was very tempted to just kind of joke and be like, well, let's see if we know how to do this. Let's see if we know what we're doing here. But I think we'll be fine. I mean, look, there's so much to talk about going on right now. I mean, sports are, are back. Like, things are going on. The NBA is in uh, full swing, un- uninterrupted. Baseball is just powering through. Um, I mean, there's so much happening. College football, obviously. We'll, we'll leave it all on the table for you today. I mean, you haven't had a chance to talk to us in six months. We haven't had a chance to talk to you in six months. So give us a call. Anything on your mind today, 315-437-7644. We do have a couple of guests lined up for you. Uh, we've got Alan Griffin, the assistant coach. We have to differentiate now uh, between Alan Griffin, the, the player, and Alan Griffin, the coach. We've got Alan Griffin, the assistant coach, Set to join us at 12.30 to talk Cuse basketball. I'm sure we'll get into Alan Griffin, the player, who is eligible. I'm sure you've seen that by now. Alan Griffin will uh, will step in and uh, theoretically fill the shoes left by Elijah Hughes, who's, who's off to the NBA. So we'll talk some basketball coming up at 12.30. And then I had a chance to sit down uh, virtually, of course, via Zoom with uh, Dino Babers one-on-one uh, recently. We've got the return of the Orange Nation television show tonight as well. So we'll play back my my one-on-one interview uh, with Dino Babers uh, in the second hour as we preview the season ahead. And and listen, Seth, it's it's a tough game right off the bat. Um, you know, there's no Colgate to start this season. There's no Liberty to start this season. Not even sure they'll play Liberty. We'll have to see if that game actually takes place. But that is such a huge question. It is. Um, but but you're you're jumping into the deep end of the pool, as uh, Coach P used to say. Uh, and they've got a North Carolina team on Saturday that is ranked in the top twenty to start the season. Has 
arguably, I would say probably, the second-best quarterback in the ACC behind Trevor Lawrence and Sam Howell. Um, This is quite the test with two new coordinators. Uh, And as we learned yesterday with the release of the depth chart, uh, Syracuse is thin at a few positions, to say the least, namely the running back spot, where you've got Jarvion Howard and Abdul Adams uh, not listed on the depth chart. Dino Babers would not get into definitively why they were left off, but I think we can all assume it's an opting-out situation. He said he would talk more about those players on Saturday after the game. Um, and, and they're not alone, but I think those are the two that stick out to you because they're, you know, theoretically the the number one and number two running back, and you right. are you're thin at that position. No, I think that's huge. I think that uh, you're you're looking at some really strange situations. Um, you know, you mentioned the offensive line, and obviously you don't know if Chris Blake is is going to be eligible yet. Which um, it's been a while. You know, like may, maybe make that decision by now. Maybe maybe know that you have a deadline where you should make that decision. But uh, NCAA beats to its own drum. Exactly. We know that exactly. Uh, the Alan Griffin decision came down how quick, and this one didn't. Okay, um, so you're stuck with like Chris Elmore playing offensive line, which is kind of strange. You mentioned the running backs, and and you don't know uh, necessarily what's going on there. And oh, by the way, and I, I think that this is such a huge aspect of it. And I, I asked Dino about this yesterday on his press conference. Um, you you weren't expecting to play this team this year, right? And not only are you playing them, but you're playing them week one, and you found out three weeks ago that you were going to be playing them week one. Uh, so it's it's not like you have. Uh, six weeks to figure out, okay, what is this team? Or you have five weeks to figure out what is this team. Uh, You had like two and a half weeks from when the schedule was announced to when you had to play them to figure out what Mac Brown does, uh, what this UNC team looked like last year, and what they're going to look like this coming season. So it's such a difficult position, and I I think that might honestly be one of the biggest uh, challenges, at least for this week, is you're you're thrown into the fire against a team that is in the top 25 and that you weren't expecting to play for like five years. And they're really, really talented on offense. And you have a new defensive coordinator. And it's not just a new defensive coordinator. It's a new defensive system slash philosophy. Completely different from there, what you did. There's a lot of ands um, when it goes to this game. And I, I think it's it's certainly going to be an uphill battle. And, uh, you know, obviously the, the odds makers agree. You look at, you know, North Carolina opened up, I think, as an 18-point favorite. It's now above 22. Um, you know, you're, you're talking about more than a three touchdown underdog on the road to start the season with two new coordinators. It's it's an uphill climb, and you didn't have spring practice to install, you know, said systems. Um, to, and, j- just to chime in in with this one on our, on our Twitch stream on Q Sport Talk, CBW saying, "Well, the same goes for UNC. They got short na- notice for playing Syracuse. Uh, the difference is that UNC is the top twenty five team and not Syracuse. The difference is that UNC." Uh, is presumably the more talented team that doesn't have two new coordinators. So while you're trying to do everything else that you have to do differently, while you're trying to implement a new system, while you're trying to adjust to a new play caller on offense, you also don't want to be playing this team. You would have preferred to open up with uh, you know, the whoever it was going to be. It was going to be Boston College. And right. yeah, Boston College is more difficult than Colgate, but Boston College is... Um, a team that also has a new head coach, new coordinators, new system, and isn't top 25 talent. It's interesting. You look at SU's opponents and the way that the the preseason poll in the ACC breaks down, they have to play the top four teams in the ACC, and then they play the bottom five. Yes. So it's there is, 
you know, we talk about margin for error. There is no margin for error when they play those, you know, supposed bottom five teams. BC is one of those bottom five. I, I'm sorry that I was I was slightly distracted as you were, you know, reading that comment from CBW. What caught my attention was his other comment. Oh, that on was there. good. Uh, he says, biggest question, did Steve remember his Twitch password? He set the line at uh, plus 10,000 yes and, and no was uh, minus uh, 8,500. Um, it, it, so I, I thought maybe he, he heard us talking before the show, I but do. literally as I was logging on, I was like, I have no idea what my Twitch password is. I don't know how to log on. So I had to that tell answers you that, your question, I had CBW. to tell you that you didn't need a login. I to, did not know that either. Watch. Yeah. You, you, as, as the Open was playing, you were like, huh. I don't know how to how get do on I, this thing. How do thing. I get in? How do I how do I make it on this thing? I will I will figure out during the first commercial how to log on with with my username. But I, I am on Twitch. So you know something CBW else, was right. Something else that is a little bit different, and this just happened because it just happened. Uh you know, we have a window here in our studio, and every once in a while somebody will poke their head in just to like mess around with you know, whoever it is, or maybe to pass a note or whatever. Somebody just poked their head in. And I legitimately had no idea who it was because the mask was covering their face. Yeah. And I was just looking at them like, are they trying to tell me I'm not on the air? Are they <laughs> Are they trying to tell me like something's gone horribly wrong? They're just surprised and to see us in the office. I think that's what it was. It's been It's been six months. They're surprised to see us. I know they're surprised to see me. I'm glad to see that you took off the mask. Yeah, you know it. It's uh, you're comfortable. That means you're comfortable. It's hard to talk in it for a prolonged period of time. So I made it like seven minutes. So I learned this uh, about three weeks ago. The semester started up at Syracuse, and we are required in Newhouse and across the campus to wear a mask when we're teaching. So I learned that very quickly because when when we're on Channel 9, like I wear a mask around the office. If I'm in my office, don't have to wear a mask. Anytime you get up and you walk around, you're in the hallways, wear a mask, which we do. And then when we get into the studio and we put our mics on and all that and get ready to go on, we take the mask off. So I, I was not aware how difficult it is to talk in said mask, but try teaching a class for two and a half hours with the mask on. I felt like I was suffocating. So um, so I, I think it's it's a wise move by you. Remove look, the mask. I'll wear it the other six, seven, however many hours a day right. I'm here. I'll wear it at my desk and, and all of that. But I, I think that, uh, you know, if you watch on Twitch, we're pretty far apart. We like we're not going to touch each other if we both reach out. So um, I, I think we're probably good in here. I think we are as well. That's why I said you can take the mask off. Um, I love the fact that people can see us on, on Twitch. Uh, our good friend Chris McManus, my former uh, co-host of this very show, uh, chimes in. We had a kind of a running joke on the show. He used to tell me that I wear lavender a lot, and I didn't even realize I was doing this today, but I actually have a lavender shirt on. So he chimes in and said, Steve, Steve had months to prepare uh, his favorite lavender shirt for today. Um, this, by the way, Chris, is it's not just my favorite lavender shirt it is actually a brand new lavender Whoa. shirt. I ju- I bought this, uh, as you know, Seth, I've been named the co-host of Bridge Street. That happened last week. I bought this for Bridge Street, so I wore okay. it on Bridge Street today. Yeah, have you had to, like, uh, you know, going off that, have you had to just totally update your, your wardrobe and change over your wardrobe? Because it's not like... I am in the process you're of... You're not, like, wearing the same thing as when you do sports at night, right? You're, you're not necessarily wearing, like, jacket tie. You might go, like, jacket and that shirt. I will be honest with you. It is the most challenging part of the new position. Every morning, what do I wear? So it is a work in progress. Um, I am in the process of trying to update my wardrobe. Have you been getting help from your wife in what to pick out? I've been getting help for, from several people, some of whom I, I don't ask for their advice, but they provide it anyway. And yes, my wife has been kind enough to to chime in with uh, 
with her opinion as well. We we did. I joked last week. We went back to school shopping. Uh, not this weekend, but last weekend. Okay. Bought all sorts of new clothes, new shoes. I was I was ready to go back to school. And so, Chris McManus, this is for you. This was one of my back to school shirts. Uh, a new lavender shirt that I broke out today for for the return of Orange Nation. Long live Very upon nice. further review. Very nice. I mean, that's a that's a totally different uh, thing that you're doing. I mean, it's like a weekend. How, how's that been? How's it's that been, been going? It's been great. Um, it's it's a little different being up and dressed and ready to go. Like I'm I'm up in the morning anyway. But be there's there's a difference between being up and awake and being like on. And so we we start taping some of the segments at 9 a.m. It's a live show from 10 to 11. But given COVID and everything, we do have to tape some segments with with interviews and whatnot. And so we're we're taping at 9 a.m. So it's been different because I'm up and dressed by like eight. Um, I'm not used to being in a you know a jacket and well, I haven't been wearing ties for Bridge Street, but you know what I mean. You know, you're know, dressed dressed up and ready to go by by you're, eight o'clock. You're not around the house in like gym shorts, right? Not used yeah. to that. So I'm still getting used to that. It's still you know the quick turnaround from doing the eleven the night before to working the next day. I'm still I'm still figuring it out, but so far so good. I like it a lot. It's a fun show. Sistine is good. great, um, and and we're gonna have a, a, a whole lot of fun. Good, and then you get to do that, and then you get to come here and talk sports for another you know what couple hours. I went to bed last night. I don't know about you, but I had like. This like nervous excitement that we were, you know, we're back on the air. I and do it's, too. Um, it's it's surprising to me. I I'll be honest with you. I said it at the top of the show. I did not think we were going to have a show until like January. I I thought that I thought college football would be, you know, would not happen. They would cancel it, and then you know we'd return whenever college basketball came back late in the year. You know, it's sounding like the week of Thanksgiving now. But again, three four weeks ago, I didn't think we were going to have college sports until January. So I'm I'm thrilled to be back. I didn't either. I I was very very skeptical, um, and I'm I'm still skeptical in some regard that they're gonna make it all the way through. You know, I'm I'm still a little skeptical that they're gonna get through this season unscathed because you know you look at basketball and, and the NBA's done a fantastic job and the NBA's um, made their way through their their final regular season week and a half plus this playoffs and they've had no issues and the NHL has had no issues. Uh, they're also like bubbling up and sequestering their players. Baseball hasn't, and baseball's had some major issues. Uh, you know, over the last month and a half, you know, seven weeks since they've restarted, they've had some really big problems, and they've constantly had teams that have had to miss nine, ten, uh, fourteen days in a row of games, and so. Um, I think that's more the model for college football. I'm not saying that you're going to have teams missing two-week games at a time, but I think that you're going to have teams missing games more so than you do in the NBA. Just look at, at this weekend. They've already canceled games for this upcoming weekend, the first week of the season, and games are already off the off the, uh, off the the schedule. I don't think there's any doubt about it, Seth, that they're going to have to work their way through some, some hiccups. And, you know, you talk about problems that Major League Baseball has had. How about problems that college campuses around the country have had i mean just look at suny oneonta you know last week they um i I would say made some mistakes with how they brought the students back to campus and immediately uh everybody had to turn around and go home so i you know i think you're going to see that you're going to see obviously you have athletes mingling with other students and and it's it's a recipe for potential problems and and i think the the football teams have to do a good job and i think we've seen syracuse certainly do this they they have to do a, a, as good a job as possible as as trying to provide that bubble. Players taking classes online, you know, just going to practice, back to their apartment or back to their dorm, and and doing their best to stay out of the social interactions, which it's tough to do when you're a college kid and you're on a college campus. But they're going to have to try to create that bubble 
as much as possible. And that's why I think basketball, college basketball, has a much better chance of succeeding because if they start that week of Thanksgiving or right after Thanksgiving, all the students go home from campus, you've got that built-in bubble for potentially two months until kids come back in late January. Right. I mean, you've got a, a situation where you can do that and you can keep kids you know, off to themselves. But you hit on, on what I think is the biggest problem. In, in trying to do college athletics, you are betting against college kids being college kids. You know, you're you're betting against the idea that freshmen are going to get to uh, their school, they're going to be away from their parents for the first time, and they're going to want to go to house parties, and they're going to want to go to bars. And um, yeah, in New York, that's not a problem, because Fagan's is not open, and DJ's is not open, you know, to, to that same extent as they might normally be up on the SU campus. Uh, but you know what? In Carolina, the bars on Franklin Street are open for those UNC, uh, you know, uh, kids and and the bars in Durham are 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 open for the Duke kids and um, you know in Ohio the Ohio State kids can go to bars and so everybody's living in like these this different world everybody's living in this this kind of different set of rules and so you're in a place like New York and um, you know you can't just go buy drink after drink after drink you have to buy food with it you have to you know have a plan and a table and things like that. Um, that's not the case everywhere. And so when you're trying to bet against the natural instinct of an 18-year-old, you're probably in for some trouble. And to me, that's like the biggest, that's the biggest impediment to all of this is that you're just hoping that 18, 19, and 20-year-olds fight against their instincts and and like use their better judgment and don't go out. And the thing with this this disease is that all it takes is poor judgment by a player or two, right? And then all of a sudden you're in a whole lot of trouble. And, and you know, it could be the starters and the backups are doing their job. It could be the, the third-string redshirt freshman that's, um, you know, he's not going to play and he goes to practice and then, you know, he ends up going out and, and for whatever reason, you know, he contracts the virus and then it, it's, it cycles through the team. I mean, that, it's it, it could take literally one or two People on the team or players make you know make a bad decision, and then you've got you've got some big problems. We do need to take our first time out on the show again. Phone lines open, everything's on the table today. Whatever you want to talk about, we're just happy to be back talking sports with you. Three one five four three seven seventy six forty four. You can uh, check in with us on uh, on Twitch at Q Sports Talk. We're back after this on ESPN Radio. This is Orange Nation, brought to you by Charles Heating and Air Conditioning with Stephen Fonte and Seth Goldberg. Hour number two of Orange Nation underway on ESPN Radio. We'll get to my one-on-one interview with Dino Babers coming up in the next segment. We, uh, we'll play that back for you tonight as well, uh, at least a portion of it, on the uh, return of the television version of Orange Nation from 7 to 7.30 on News Channel 9, we'll talk with Dino one-on-one. Uh, we'll also catch up with Zaire Franklin on the show tonight, who's getting set to start his fourth NFL season with the Colts. But uh, we'll kick off our number two right now by going to the phone lines. Dave in Syracuse, our first call of the new season. Dave, how are you? Guys, just elated to have you back, finally. Yeah, we're glad to be back as well. I'm glad that uh, you're listening today and, and back on the show with us. Oh, absolutely. I'm sure everybody's been waiting on pins and needles. We yes. had enough Dan Levitard, and uh, we want <laughs> we want Steve back. So here we are. So I want to go right into football, guys. I know it's I know why we talk about the subject, but I'm tired of talking coronavirus. So I'm elated that they're having some sort of a season here. And so the two deep came out yesterday. 
And I got to admit, like most people, I am as clueless as I've ever been in the before season starts as to what it's going to look like. Um, when I looked at the two deep yesterday and we saw Chris Almore is going to be playing left guard, our, our fullback. And I'm just wondering who is, it, 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 we're kind of, up in the air and who's opted out and who's injured and who could possibly play. So I qu- my question to you guys is, if guys have actually opted out, can they opt back in or are they out for the season once they decide, you know, I'm, I'm opting out? So, so my, it's a great question, Dave. My understanding is that they are allowed to play at any point and not play at any point, that that is up to the coaches. You know, if it, again, if he, if an individual coach says, "Well, if you opt out, you're out for the season," then that's up to the coach. But from an NCAA standpoint, my understanding mm-hmm. is that they can play, and if they play six games and then opt out, they you know they they can do that. They don't lose nobody loses a year of eligibility this year. If they play twelve games, doesn't matter. If they play one game, doesn't matter. I, I my understanding is they can come in and out as they want, as long as the coach is fine with it. So Dino hasn't really said much about it. He said some guys were on the fence. We obviously, you know, talked about Jarvion Howard and Abdul Adams, and it looks like they're opting out. Dino would not confirm that specifically. He said he would talk about it after the North Carolina game. So we should have more information on that after Saturday's game. Very good. Okay, so now if these guys do not lose eligibility, even if they play, right? So that means everyone in every class, freshman, right to senior, Everybody. they don't use a leer. So right, our right. recruits for next year, we, do we have? Do we end up having over a hundred players for like everybody? So yeah. they're allowed to have. That's, okay, yeah, go ahead. Seth. Yeah, I, I would. That's going to be part of it. They're yeah. they're going to have to figure out some kind of scholarship relaxation where it's okay to have a hundred scholarship players rather than eighty five. That's going to be. Uh, part of the calculation. And, and we're not just talking about football here, Dave. I mean, that's you know, this is this is across many sports. Obviously, I mean, you look at what happened in the sure. spring, and you know, lacrosse. I know we don't have a baseball team here, but you know, lacrosse, for instance, they've got guys who are coming back unexpectedly, coming back, and you've obviously got you know a full complement of freshmen coming in. So you know, the NCAA is going to have to figure that out, as Seth said, with the you know relaxation of scholarship restrictions and limits, and so on and so forth. There's a lot to figure out, but um, I, I'm glad the NCAA made this rule this year because you know, so often we say that they they're not out to help the student athlete obviously you know telling the fall athletes well even if you play you're not going to lose a year of eligibility i think that that eases everyone's mind because i think the concern would be well i could sign up to play and i play two games and then all of a sudden the season is called off and now i've lost a whole year of eligibility i'm glad the ncaa did that all right, that's good news. So, anyway, as far as Saturday, very nervous about what I'm going to see, but yeah. I'm sure we'll have plenty to talk about on Monday yes. once we see what it looks like. Yeah, well, thanks for checking in, Dave. We do appreciate it. And, yeah, I would much rather talk about a game that didn't go well than no game at all. And I, and I don't know that it's not going to go well. I, I don't have high expectations um, for, for Saturday's opener. I think it's a tall order to play that team, you know, on the road with – Two new coordinators and and you know everything that goes into this game. I, I think it's a, a, a certainly a tall task for Syracuse. So uh, it's asking a lot. Yeah, I mean if they if they lose by a lot, you know, is it is it time to fold up the tent? No. Um, but like I said, I'm I, I much prefer talk about a game that doesn't go well than no game at all. And maybe yeah. it will. Maybe they'll surprise us, and maybe it will go well. It, I mean, it could. It certainly could go. Uh, you know, better than we think. I just, I don't know. I don't know what to expect uh, from this season. You know, to to one of the points that Dave made, uh, seeing Chris Elmore as a left guard was surprising. I mean, yeah. look, he's he's a big dude. You know, he can block. He's a physical guy. Um, he we've really, I mean, I I think it's fascinating to see 
what Chris Elmore has been over the course of his career. He's a defensive tackle. He's a tight end. He's a fullback. He's an offensive lineman. Um, He's just kind of somebody who it seems can and will do anything that he's asked to do. Uh, but I don't know what that means for the offensive line. You know, I, I don't know what that means. And and obviously you were going to have one offensive line position that was open uh, coming off of last year because you, you had, uh, you know, four guys returning and you were going to have that one spot, but it was supposed to be Chris Bleak, uh, Chris Blake. You know, it was supposed to be uh, that transfer, that 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 guy who was coming in from an SEC school that was going to be this this big body and overpowering, um, and obviously it's not him yet because we have no clarity whatsoever um, on whether he's allowed to play or not. You know, and and so there are going to be questions on the offensive line. It was it was one of the questions that I had that I mentioned earlier in the show. When you're talking real football, what's the biggest questions for this team? The offensive line still after last season is right up there. No doubt. And again, and I, we'll get into my interview with Dino coming up here in the next segment. I asked him about this when I had the one-on-one with him. But you know, you look at two years ago, they had an offensive line that was experienced, an offensive line that stayed healthy. You know, The same five guys trotted out there week in and week out, and they won 10 games. And then last year, uh, it was the exact opposite. They had a lot of shuffling, a lot of injuries. Um, you know, They didn't put the same five out there week in and week out. They had you know changes that they had to make throughout the season for injury reasons, for performance reasons, and the end result was was five and seven. So it and it doesn't all come down to the offensive line, but it it starts with the offensive line, and and so I think it's fair to to have questions about that position. But you know what? And I, and I know we talked about this at the end of last season. The last four weeks, things started to get better when they moved Matthew Bergeron into the starting lineup. When they moved Carlos Federello from the outside to the inside and put service on the on the outside of the tackle, things started to get better. That line was. Um, more consistent, I guess, you know, over the last couple of weeks, and and you could see them starting to get something. So maybe uh, with you know, again, you're going to have Veterello in the middle with Bergeron at one tackle and Service at another tackle. Maybe you at least have those three anchors, and and you feel a little comfortable with that. You you have a position that. Um, in in left guard with Chris Elmore, where you know he is a capable blocker. You don't know if he's going to be capable play in and play out. As, as opposed to as a tight end um, or as as a fullback, but you know he is a capable blocker in that position. Uh, you know, and and maybe you can get a Dakota Davis on the field at some point this fall. Maybe maybe he's able to play and and contribute at at the other guard position, and you can piecemeal something together. But I, I think that they kind of found something late in the year, and you hope that it carries over. Yeah, and I, I think that the other position to question or have concerns about I think is the linebacker spot um, you, you look at that in the the depth chart that was released you've got sophomore sophomore freshman starting and then behind them you've got freshman sophomore redshirt freshman those are the top six linebackers in your program right now now the good news and again Dino's going to address this in the one-on-one interview the good news is that those guys are coming back because we've seen the last several years you know they break in a new set of linebackers or a new linebacker or two and then those guys are gone the following year at least you know I think it'll be a a position of weakness this year but then the hope is that those guys you know grow up in the program the sophomores become juniors and seniors and the freshmen become you know upperclassmen eventually as well and and you're able to create some stability and build some depth at that position right now, um, you're super, super young uh, at a at a at a linebacker spot. So I think that's the other question on defense. But I, I like the back end of the defense. I think the secondary is going to be great. I like the you know the the front uh, three. Um, I'm a little concerned about the middle of the defense though, and and that was a concern last year too. 
Were you surprised to um, how do we how do I say this the right way to not see Tyrell Richards on the depth chart? Yeah, of course. Because that that was something that stood out to me. Like I I thought that he was going to come in and and be a player for them, like a a big player. Um, I don't know what position he really is. You know, I, I think that there are a lot of things that he could do. I think he could be a defensive end. I think he could be a linebacker. I think he could probably play safety or that rover position uh, for you if you really wanted him to. I think he could do just so many different things. Um, but he could be somebody, um, somebody similar to. Oh, I'm blanking on the name now. Isaiah Simmons at uh, at Clemson. Yeah, right. I think that he could be somebody similar to him, um, and to not see him on the depth chart at all was surprising, and and does make you question in, in a year that's been strange, and and his he he's been active on his Twitter feed. Um, it makes you wonder if he's a part of the team right now, given everything right. going on. And again, they don't comment on opt outs, so you just don't know. Right. And you know, I think we're going to be having these questions all year long. Seth is a guy not listed. Because he's hurt? Is a guy not listed for performance reasons? Is a guy not listed because he opted out or he doesn't want to play this week? Or, you know, is he is he sick? Um, you know, I think we're going to certainly have these questions week in and week out every week when the depth chart comes out. Who's on? Who's not? Why, you know, why did this guy get moved down? And, you know, the coaching staff is going to have to answer a lot of those questions. And, you know, they, they may answer some. They may not answer others. Uh, they don't want to give the, the opponent a competitive advantage, which is why Dino uh, really didn't talk much about it yesterday. The depth chart had not been released when he was speaking with the media and so he didn't talk a lot about the opt-outs but promised us more information come Saturday all right let's take a time out when we return we'll get to my one-on-one with Dino Babers uh that's next right here on Orange Nation you're listening to ESPN Radio live from Armory Square this is Orange Nation with Stephen Fonte and Seth Goldberg I thought we were doing today's business here, but nobody would know it, Seth, because you didn't pay the play the uh, Look, proper open. I, I didn't have the thing up. Gotta yeah. Gotta find it. Gotta today's find Friday. it. No, it's not Friday. It's not Friday. It's Tuesday. There you go. It's just a public service announcement. This one always makes me think of Sal. Our take on the day's top stories. It's today's business on Orange Nation. Because he told you to wait. He did. Don't speak until... Allow me to reintroduce myself. My name is Ho. Now. Now I can speak. I have another thing to add to our button bar, by the way, that I heard in the press conference today. How about that? How about that? How about that? Who was that? Is that Dino? That was Dino. Oh, yesterday. That, that was yesterday. You said today. Yeah, I heard it this morning I when see. I was cutting okay. it up. All right. We're shaking off the rust. I broke a microphone. You were a little late with the Today's Business Open. We'll get it together for tomorrow. It's been six months, people. We're doing the best we can. Maybe we don't say how. Maybe we don't say as often that you broke the microphone. You were my witness. I did not break it. I touched it. It fell apart. Bovine excrement. I am not claiming responsibility for what happened to said microphone. All right. Um... Tommy, unfortunately, is not in the studio with us, so I'm going to hand today's business over to you. What, what do you have for us today in today's business? Uh, let's start here. We've talked about this a little bit, but uh, kind of what's worked and what hasn't worked uh, in sports coming back. We've seen, you know, we, we've seen that uh, certain leagues have have really made this work. We've seen that the NBA has has bubbled up in Disney World, which I think is really cool, and and it's totally worked out, no problem. The NHL has bubbled up in their two Canadian cities. Uh, which, on a side note, probably smart to go to Canada and and do this. 
uh, but it's worked really well up there. Baseball's had kind of mixed results as, as they've gotten back underway. Yeah, I mean, the bubble's been great. I, I didn't realize it was going to work so well. And, and, of course, in order for the bubble to work, you need buy-in. You need everybody to buy-in. And it, it seems like they have, certainly, the WNBA, the NBA, the NHL that you've talked about. Um, I was also concerned about the the no fans and how that was going to feel and sound for the viewer at home it's it's really been fine i mean they're you know they're pumping in some some audio into the arenas um you know into the live feeds and it i mean from from where i sit you know as a as a viewer it doesn't really bother me at all now i, I would imagine for the broadcasters the play-by-play guys it's a little strange because a lot of them aren't there in person. They're calling them from you know studios, um, you know around the country. Well, the NBA, all the play-by-play guys are there now. All the national play-by-play people are in Orlando. The NHL, they don't and have them MLB. All I know they're doing them remotely right. as well. Um, so that's what I'm saying. That, that's that's strange. You know, calling a game that you're not that you're not physically there for. Um, but from a from a viewer standpoint, and you know, an, an entertainment value standpoint. Um, I don't. I don't really miss the the fans not being there. Um, you know, I'm sure the players do, and like I said, I think the play by play broadcasters do. The ones that are there and the ones that aren't there. Um, but the bubble's working. The bubble's working better than I thought it would. Um, and even with Major League Baseball, it, MLB got off to a slow start with with the Marlins situation and and then the Cardinals situation. Um, but for the most part, I think they've realized how to handle it when there's a positive test and how to minimize the damage, for lack of a better term, and you're also seeing that when, you know, a player two for one team comes down with the coronavirus, fortunately we're seeing that they're not transmitting it on the field to the opponent. And so, you know, again, we didn't know that early on. There was all the concern about, you know, the Marlins played the Phillies. What's going to happen to the Phillies? Nothing. And it turned out the Phillies were okay. <laughs> right. Um, and then the Cardinals got, you know, so it had some positive tests. It was like, well, what, what happens to who they played? It, it all turned out to be all right. So, uh, you know, I think we're all kind of figuring this out together. And... Um, you know, it, whereas three, four weeks ago, I didn't think we'd have a college football season. We're, we're obviously going to start the college football season, and we'll see where it goes from here. Yeah, I mean, I do think football is a little bit different just because of the level of contact, even compared to basketball and hockey. You know, there there is more contact uh, than even those sports. Uh, on your note about fans, I miss fans a whole lot more in baseball than I do watching basketball or hockey. I that's, think that That's an interesting statement. Why I, is that? I don't know. I think that... Um, I think there are a couple of reasons for it. I think that the TV product of the NBA and the NHL has been significantly better than the um, than the baseball TV product, and I think that that's by nature of how the games are shown on TV regularly. Um, you know, if you're watching an NBA game, you don't see a whole ton of crowd anyway, unless it's like three pointer at the buzzer. Let's see crowd shot. You know, like if in they need to make like a concerted effort to show the crowd. In both baseball, baseball basketball, and hockey. Baseball, you see it all the time. And, like, specifically think about the Yankees. Um, you know, how big a story it is when those seats are empty. But, like, now it's actually empty. <laughs> there is nobody there. A home run gets hit 17 rows deep, and there's nobody there to fight over it. The foul balls, you know, aren't, aren't being chased down. Like, the fans, I think, are just such a bigger part of watching baseball on TV than it is in basketball and hockey. Um that it just feels a lot weirder. Now that being said, I think that the basketball and hockey TV presentations have been awesome. Like I, I think that they've been really good and they've they've felt really normal watching. I can't speak to what it's like, you know, being there. I'm sure it's a little bit different having been in the building for those games. But you know, watching on TV, those feel normal. 
at least to me. Yeah. Um, and, and I think that's an interesting point you bring up about we don't really see the fans in the other sports. But you're right. You do uh, really on every play when it comes to baseball, unless it's a strikeout. But anytime the ball is hit, you're going to see and, and fans th- or lack thereof. And I think it also depends because of the speed of the sport, right? Like basketball is up and down. Hockey is up and down. Baseball has so much dead time that, um, you know, the, the broadcasters might be like, oh, hey, look at that. Look at that guy who just caught the ball in his beer. <laughs> you yeah. know, and then like all of a sudden, all of a sudden you're talking about it. Or, wow, that guy made the one-handed catch. And like it. It becomes part of the storyline that you just now don't have. Yeah, no, that that's that's certainly true. Um, you know, I also think you look at the fact that in the NBA and NHL they're playing playoff games, and so the guys are are naturally into it a little bit more. And so you know, you see the players' reactions after a big shot or or so on and so forth, and and they don't necessarily need the crowd to pump them up because it's not a you know a random Tuesday in Milwaukee. Um, you know, game 42 of the regular season. Right. These are games that actually matter, and, uh, you know, the players are are into it. And, yeah, I mean, you saw Russell Westbrook the other night, you know, chirping at the quote-unquote crowd. There's, you know, there's like there are families six there. people yeah. there or whatever it is, and, you know, he's he's talking trash and, you know, barking at the people in attendance. Um, there's wives and girlfriends right. sitting there. It's playoff basketball, and, and he's into it. Everybody's into it. So I think you, you miss the fans less because the games matter more. 315-437-7644 is the number. Quick timeout. We'll wrap up the show, our first show back, right after this on ESPN Radio.